you. Well, it's very good to see your lovely faces, so many of them smiling. Um, thank you for coming. It's, it's going to be a good morning, an unusual morning. There are different parts to the service, and I will endeavor to keep on time. So, Andy opened the Jeremiah series a couple of weeks ago with the themes of endings and beginnings, the fall of Jerusalem and the kingdom to come. But let's just go back to some more of the words of Jeremiah. Where does what he said fit in? In short, Jeremiah saw the downfall of Jerusalem and did what prophets do, calling out God's people for idolatry and injustice and pointing forward to Jesus. Idolatry, as was mentioned before, is basically putting your trust in anything other than God Oftentimes riches, oftentimes shoring ourselves up with what we've got rather than trusting in our Heavenly Father. And injustice, not caring for the poor and downtrodden in our society. Now in today's passage, um, Jeremiah is speaking to King Jehoiakim. I'm sure it's said exactly like that. Um, (laughs) Who lived 600 years before Jesus. But we are neither kings nor living that long ago. So is his message still relevant? Well, the heart of God doesn't change, even if we choose to ignore it. And God's desire for justice and care for the poor runs right through scriptures. Modern society still seeks value in riches, acquiring things and achieving, being successful. Many, many idols. And we still have large pockets of society that are seriously under-resourced. Twelve neighbourhoods of Reading, including right where we're meeting in Whitley, are among the 20% most deprived in England. And studies indicate that if you live in Whitley, on average you will live for more than 10 years less than those living in affluent areas. That isn't fair, is it? That is unjust. It's not fair. And even if you feel like you're not stuck in idolatry or contributing to injustice, you're not seeking wealth or treading on the poor, prophetic voices in the Bible can be difficult to hear. Sometimes unwelcome, provocative, unsettling, maybe even annoying. Because prophets say things that oppose the lives we live in. Things that undermine our expectations and our aspirations. And considering Jeremiah repeated his message for four decades, I'm guessing it was much the same then. In Jeremiah 22, he challenges what makes someone great and what it means to know God. Super relevant to anyone seeking to follow Jesus. Let's have a look at the verses. I would really encourage you, as everybody up the front always does, go back and read the whole thing. I can only do a little bit today, but my verses are um, 15 and 16 in chapter 22. It says, But a beautiful cedar palace does not make a great king. Your father Josiah had plenty to eat and drink, but he was just and right in all his dealings, and that's why God blessed him. He gave justice and help to the poor and needy, and everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know me, says the Lord? Whoa. (laughs) So, but a beautiful cedar palace does not make a great king. The king had spent a lot of uh, time and money building up something very fancy to make him look great. 
Uh, and diving straight in, Jeremiah challenges this widely held idea that wealth and fancy stuffs makes you great. But the truth is, we all instinctively know it's not true. We hate to see a hugely rich and powerful leader in a grand palace while ordinary people of the country are suffering. We know stuff doesn't make us great, despite what our culture tells us. But it is an unpopular lesson in a materialistic society. Jeremiah goes on, he says, Your father Josiah had plenty to eat and drink, but he was just and right in his dealings. So Jeremiah goes beyond calling out excessive materialism and invites the king to remember his father, who was just and right. And that's why God blessed him. And not that we do these things to go after God's blessing, and that's not the motivation. And it doesn't mean our lives will be easy if we do. But if blessing is living life close to God, which I think it is, then these verses remind us what God values. And Jeremiah clarifies his point. He, the old King Josiah, gave justice and help to the poor and needy, and everything went well for him. And then the grand finale, isn't that what it means to know me? And I just want to press that into your hearts and minds today. Isn't that what it means to know me, says the Lord? Giving justice and help to the poor and needy. It's not what we necessarily go straight to, is it? But we want to know God, right? I wonder how you would describe knowing God. What activities would you recommend to someone wanting to know God more? Of all the things Jeremiah could have focused on as evidence of knowing God, I'm going to say it again, giving justice and help to the poor and needy. Someone just yawned. This is not a good start. <laughs> Why? Why did he say that? Because our God practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in all the earth. That's Jeremiah 9:23. So not practicing justice is to misrepresent our God, is to not know him. It's really important. I'm going to keep going on. <laughs> to know the Lord is to pattern your life after him most clearly seen in Jesus. And so I wonder, what would Jeremiah say to us, RFCs, in 2023? Do we know God? Is our knowledge of God evidenced by our care for the poor and needy? Is it? Or do we really think that's someone else's job? We've got social services these days, right? Or is poverty their fault? So it's none of our business. Or perhaps we hadn't realized that care for the poor is in any way linked to knowing God. Or maybe you just felt that care for the poor was a kind of a way in to tell them about Jesus. Or perhaps we just hadn't found a way to get started yet. Hold those thoughts. So today is a local mission Sunday. And the purpose of RFC states we are a growing, Jesus-centered community, bringing God's kingdom to Reading and beyond. Now, you see the Jesus-centered community on a Sunday, maybe if you're in a life group or an RFC3, perhaps you went to the Together weekend, um, and you're part of friendships that these, all these things facilitate. That's the Jesus-centered community, right? And if you know anything about the Beyonders, uh, those members of RFC who've gone overseas to bring the kingdom where they are, then you'll know about the last bit. But what about the middle bit? What about bringing God's kingdom in Reading? What is that? And how does it fit with Jeremiah? So God's kingdom is where God's will is done. 
where his purposes prevail. The one who gives justice to the poor and orphan upholds the right of the oppressed and the destitute. That's in the Psalms. That's our God. And as God's children, we bring his kingdom by copying him, valuing what he values, walking with him, and doing what he would do if he were us, in his strength. Jeremiah indicates that giving justice and help to the poor and needy is to know God. And this isn't an isolated idea in scripture. Micah 6.8 famously asks, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. I kept reading that and thinking, he doesn't say to do nothing, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly. Another Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, also calls out God's people, and in chapter 58 talks about the kind of fasting that God really wants. It's very long, so I'll just read three verses. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. I know, it's funny, isn't it? (laughs) Verse 10, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. And verse 12, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Isn't that the most beautiful picture of God's people bringing his kingdom? Rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. In the New Testament, after Jesus Uh, James writes, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Do you know it? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Further towards the end, 1 John, it says, but if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in words or speech, but in deed and truth. And Jesus, who invites us to follow him, spent his life with those on the margins, lifting those that society discarded, and bringing hope to those in despair. He launched his earthly ministry saying he was bringing good news to the poor. In Matthew 25, Jesus completely identifies with the poor and speaks of those who will inherit the kingdom. He says, for I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. These messages are so easy to read but strangely easy to ignore. Let's not do that. Even if we don't like it. I know we're busy. I know. But it doesn't say anything about unless you're busy. <laughs> Let's imagine God's kingdom coming to Reading and then join together to see his will done. And I'm not saying that we're made acceptable to God by what we do. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It is a gift of grace. But if we seek to follow Jesus, it will be increasingly obvious by our care and compassion for those in need because that is his heart.
So how do we build a kingdom in Reading? There's a lot of darkness. There's lots of places in Reading where God's will isn't yet being done. There's only this many of us and the next service. What do we do? Okay, here we go. Love it. Yes, local mission, bringing God's kingdom to Reading. Number one, we value prophetic words. A few years ago, you may know, David Devonish had a prophetic word for RFC. Don't forget, he said, remember the poor. It's so easy to forget about those in need when you're in a big and busy church with a job and family and pets and everything to look after. It's easy to forget, but we mustn't. We learn, we look at data, and we speak to local people. Even before I was um, here, I was running the CAP Centre, so I've spent the last 12 years walking alongside people struggling with unmanageable debt, and my life has been changed as a result. We can learn from the people that are struggling, and we can learn from people that are trying to help. Local council Alice, I don't know if she's here this morning, she described the top three issues in Whitley as poverty, isolation, and addiction. Okay, I think there's a next level on this little circular diagram. Here we go. So I was thinking about the different kinds of poverty. If you're poor, it's not necessarily just financial. Uh, it might be financial, but it could also be relational, so that's the isolation bit, or spiritual, just not knowing God, not knowing your value, not knowing who you are. We also learn from others. So earlier in the year, we partnered with Jubilee Plus, which is a great organization, came out of New Frontiers, to specifically help churches to impact uh, the lives of those in poverty in their communities. As a result, we had a great uh, workshop earlier in the year to identify the passions of people who are part of this church. The top themes were food and Whitley, care for those who are new to the UK and refugees, and families with special needs and poor mental health. Quite broad then, quite a few things. Um, but it kind of struck me that there's the, the financial bit, the, the here where we are in Whitley is, is known to be a deprived area. Um, the bit about people who are new to the UK and refugees. Friendship is like the number one thing. And well, I don't know, everybody needs um, some help with their, with their faith, but the three things we can share, friendship, food, and faith. As I think about local mission here, I'm thinking about the things that we have and the things we can share, and those three things almost match up with the three different ways of, of thinking about poverty. Because you've got to remember that poverty isn't just lacking stuff. It's rooted in broken relationships as a result of the fall. And so we have to be careful not to make things worse just by shoving stuff at people. That's not necessarily what they need. We don't want to build walls between them and us. And we don't want to do things to people rather than with them. And we do want to use the skills and gifts that we have been given. We are really good at friendship, food, and faith in this church. Almost any event you can think of will be centered around those three things. So I'm talking about sharing those things, what we're already doing, maybe just tweaking what we're already doing, to include those people outside of the church. And above all, we follow the lead of Jesus. This is not done in isolation from him or in any way separately. We want to walk with Jesus. So we increasingly challenge each other to live as he did, simply prioritizing those on the margins and sharing what we have. And as Scott said, we have already got started. 
So today, I'm really looking forward to having two people come and join me on stage for a little interview. Um, firstly, Suze, who, at the beginning of this year, took over the debt center um, here. And if you don't know about, about CAP, it's a means of offering hope and a solution to people struggling with unmanageable debt. And we also have money coaching, which is a wonderful means of people learning to manage their money well, learn to budget, which is a very, um, lost, very much lost art in our society. Uh, this is, we're talking about real hope, not a handout, but a way to live that is sustainable. Uh, and then Rich, my lovely husband, who started Chapter 2 in 2018. It's an amazing project which trains up volunteers to walk alongside lads growing up without a dad. And since 2020, men from RFC have served here as mentors, headed up by Yinka and Jeff. Can't see Jeff. Um, but they just do an outstanding job. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing a little bit more about that. But just this week, I wanted to tell you, I spoke to a local expert in trauma. She's not part of the church, but she described the impact of chapter two on one of our mentees as the best therapy he'll get. Isn't that amazing? Love heals. God loves us, and we love other people. But let me tell you about other kingdom-building projects in RFC. These projects are run by RFC. People, perhaps, who are in this room right now, I'm looking around. Um, Bee and Hannah head up the Mighty Rainbows toddler groups, showing up week after week to share friendship, food, and faith with local parents here in Whitley, two different locations, Monday and a Thursday. These groups were originally started for RFC parents, but are now lifelines for young parents in and outside RFC. And at the recent Whitley Fun Day, I met one who's still in contact with B, and she said, Rainbow saved my life. It's not just a toddler group. <laughs> we also run a monthly craft cafe where RFC ladies can develop friendships with those that we've been meeting through CAP, Alpha, Chapter 2, Rainbows, etc., over simple crafts and, of course, cake. So helpful for breaking down isolation, building confidence, and fighting social anxiety. Every month, a team goes into Reading. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I forgot about this. You're looking at this, this is good. I didn't quite look at my slides when I was making my notes. Um, where did we get to? I'm gonna carry on with this and you can see how it all fits together. Each time we run the Alpha course, as Scott said, it's a place for RFCs to bring friends, to ask questions, find out more about the good news of Jesus over a free hot dinner, videos, and discussions. So whilst I've separated them according to friendship, food, and faith, lots of the projects we do overlap into all the different things. Alpha is all three of those things. Uh, meal trains are based on friendships. Bob. Bob bags are bags of blessing, that's food, groceries, emergency food parcels that we give out to our um, cat clients, but also anyone that we're coming into contact with who literally won't be able to make it like the next two or three days. Let's keep going. Uh, yes, okay, so down the bottom you might see Food Pantry. This is a brand new initiative being run in um, collaboration with the mighty Faith Christian Group who run Ready Food. Uh, a year ago they set up a first food pantry in Norcott. And basically, if you aren't aware of it, a food pantry in this context is like a weekly 
pop-up shop. It's only open for two hours. Uh, we're going to be running it on a Tuesday afternoon between 1 and 3. And the idea is that local people on benefits can access and become members. They pay £4 per week when they come, and they can get around about £15 to £20 worth of groceries with that money. So it's a subsidised shop. So it's not a handout. It's a, it's a step beyond that. Um, and oftentimes, Susan and I were meeting, and Helen, meeting people in CAP who, even once their debt has gone, it's really tight to make ends meet. It's really tight to keep food on the table. And so this is just the next step up. And we're doing it with um, a very basic, but free, tea and coffee cake in the next door room. So we've got like a little, a little cafe area as well where RFC people can make friends with people who are coming. We can maybe signpost to different services if, if CAP is needed, if a money course is needed, perhaps Chapter 2, perhaps any of the other different organisations that we are in contact with. Um, and I would really encourage you, if you have availability on a Tuesday afternoon, please come and see me at the, one of the tables outside. And if you don't, maybe you can shift things around so you do. It would be great to have a really strong team so that we're not floundering and, and, um, and just giving out the stuff, but we're able to really make people feel welcome and build those friendships. Uh, it's not on my diagram yet because it's brand, brand new, but we are in little secret discussions about setting up an iCAF, which is a, an international cafe. It could be online, it could be in person, and the idea is to provide a regular conversation group for people who've come to this country, learn, need to learn or improve their English. So we don't need English teachers, we need people like me and you who can just chat and make people feel at home. And there's some guided sessions and there's even an optional bit that people usually run at the end of the session whereby people can develop their language skills through the Bible. So there's a, there's a faith aspect to that, as well as the food, as well as the friendship. Do you see how we, we want it all to fit together so that we're not just doing one thing on our own, but maybe we'll see more of what we've seen so far, which is someone goes to Rainbows, maybe they come along on a Sunday, they hear about Alpha, they perhaps need the food pantry. And through all these things, we're building, building, building. So we're not fishing like a fishing rod with one string and a worm. We're, we've got like a net, and we want to make sure that nobody falls through that net. Good. <laughs> Let me tell you about some of the other kingdom-building projects that aren't run by RFC, but um, we offer financial support and the best volunteers. Uh, first of all, Transform Reading. Many of you will know about that unity movement whereby churches and social action projects across town meet together every Wednesday to pray for each other, support, encourage, and, uh, and work together. Uh, we host that at the moment, actually, uh, every, every Wednesday morning. We also support Torch, which is another Reading-wide. Uh, it's, it's like a help hub whereby volunteers from all different churches across town can be involved in providing all kinds of help for people who call in. They might call in with, can you pick up my prescription? They might call in with, can you fix my fence? But basically, they've fallen through and can't find help anywhere else, and Torch scoops them up. Uh, we also give money to Starting Point, great, great project of mentoring and creating opportunities for young people across town between the ages of 11 and 25. Uh, there's, there's tables for all those things outside. I would love for you to find out more. Uh, I'm not sure if Mick is here, but also he and Brig uh, offer volunteer time to RE Inspired. It's a, a wonderful means whereby members of the church can go into local schools and be part of their RE contribution. Uh, apparently 760 children in the South Reading team have heard about Jesus just this year. 
And finally, I'm going to mention Home for Good, just looking around for Beth or not seeing Kat, no. But Home for Good, a couple of people in our church are involved with that project, which is all about encouraging people in the church to get involved in fostering and adopting, providing a forever home for kids that would otherwise grow up in the care system. It's literally amazing what's going on, but what I don't want you to do is think, that's amazing, good, I can just keep my head down. What I want you to do is think, that's amazing, where can I get involved? And so I'm going to invite now Suze and Rich to come up and they'll tell you a little bit more about those particular projects. Okay, so I'm going to start with Suze. Suze, lovely friend, will you tell me how the work of CAP reveals the character of God? Thanks, Joe. Um, so, yeah, as Joe said, about two years ago, um, Reading Family Church partnered with Christians Against Poverty to provide debt counselling in Reading. Um, so we meet with clients um, across, um, across Reading just to work with them um, on putting together a budget, finding a solution out of their debt. And it is a really, it's a holistic project. We're not just flying in to do their debt. There's lots of different things and issues that we see. And for me, I'd say the main um, thing that I see about God is that he is a redeemer. He restores, mm. he repairs, he um, takes the things that look beyond, um, beyond repairing and he goes beyond that. He exceeds expectation. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to go to a regional CAP conference and we met um, a CAP client from a different center um, there who shared her story, which I'll briefly share with you now. She, when she first came to CAP, she, by her own description, she was depressed. She didn't speak very much. She always dressed in black. She was, you know, her problems were visible to others um, who met her. Then she, w through the work with CAP, she then was introduced to church, gave her life to Jesus, then started going to another one of CAP's things, which is a life skills course, and has now trained herself as a life skills coach and is giving back, helping others who've been in the same position as her. And it was such a visible um, difference. I mean, they pointed out that she had these super colourful shoes on. She doesn't wear black anymore, and it was just such a change. And that is the, the, the main thing, really, that I see um, that God does is he is a redeemer. And just very quickly as well, I also, um, we often talk about God having a heart for the poor, but I feel like sometimes that kind of makes us feel like it's just one of God's projects. It is so much more than that. When we move towards the poor and the needy, we are just, we are moving towards Jesus. He is there already. Yep. He is doing, um, he's doing all of this and it's, it's all about him. So, so good. Uh, how about you, Rich? Can you tell us a little bit about chapter two? Yes, yeah, so um, excellent sermon, by the way. Thanks. Really good. <laughs> um, uh, so chapter two is a Christian charity, and our sole purpose is to respond to the fatherless crisis in our society. And so our aim is to write hope into the fatherless story, and we do that by providing long-term, dedicated, one-to-one -one male mentors for fatherless boys. And so... Chapter 2 is really an expression of the, of the unconditional love of the Heavenly Father. It's an expression of knowing him as a father that loves us. And, and Tim Keller said that the, the, the understanding that you're a child of God is the very essence of what it means to be a Christian. 
And so we are responding to that truth because that really is the big question for all of us, right? Do we, do we, do we believe it to be true? Do we trust in him as a father that loves us unconditionally, not because of anything we've done or can do, but because of who we are? And so we're responding to that truth by wanting to extend that love to others. And particularly because he is seemingly a heavenly father that has a particular concern for the fatherless amongst us. Psalm 68 describes him as a father to the fatherless and defender of widows. Mm -hmm. And there's numerous references in the Old Testament for how we should care for the fatherless, even too, I think, in the book of Jeremiah. And so we're responding to that. We are saying we know him as a heavenly father who loves those around us and particularly cares for the fatherless. That's so good. Uh, and I was wondering, Suze, if you could tell us a little bit about what you're learning from our clients. Um, the main thing that I learned from my clients is that they are exactly like us. Um, we can sometimes have this vision of, um, specifically talking about our debt clients, that these are people who, that are just willfully overspending, buying big tellies to hang on their walls, those kind of things. That is just um, so not true. And actually, we're working really hard to, to not have this... Um, this perception of them versus us. Actually, we're all the same. Some of the examples of why people come to us, we recently met a lady who had um, very suddenly and tragically lost her husband, and that just threw her into a mental health crisis, um, which just meant she wasn't able to keep on top of her finances. We meet um, families who are working low-paid jobs, but all the hours under the sun, and they literally just cannot afford their bills. Um, or, you know, people that have lost their jobs during COVID and have just really struggled to get back into the workplace. And when I hear those stories and meet, um, meet our clients, I think this could be me. Yeah. This, I mean, it still could be me in however many years' time. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, so, yeah. And, and resilience and, and hard work, really, but mainly gratitude that I have the things that I have and I know mm. Jesus. So true. Um, I'm wondering, Rich, what are you seeing specifically in RFC? Um, so, a little bit of context. So, Chapter 2 is a charity that partners with churches, and Reading Family Church is, is our most significant partner that we have. And we've got an amazing group of men in this church that have committed to being long-term mentors alongside fatherless boys. Um, and... And I don't lead those teams. Those teams are led by, by Jeff and Yinka, two amazing men. And they mentor themselves alongside Blessing, uh, Emmanuel, Eddie, Matt Shepard, Matt Sewell, Sunday, Tim Rook, and Wayne. Um, and a lot of what these guys do just goes on unseen. Um, you may not be aware that they're, they're mentoring. So could, could we recognize them now? Would that of course be we can. I wasn't going to ask them to stand up because that's always a little bit awkward. I'd actually like everyone else to stand up and the mentors to remain seated and we just recognise what they are doing. So good. So, so one of the... My favorite things about what I do is when I spend time with the Chapter 2 staff team, I get to hear about what these guys are doing. And some of the stories are incredible. And they're incredible because what we see in what they're doing is revealing the character of Jesus. And so when I hear stories about one of our mentors who is showing up consistently with his lad, even though the lad has been 
arrested for the third time, he's dropped out of school, his behavior's on the decline, but the, the, the mentor is still meeting up. It reminds me of Jesus protecting the immoral woman in the home, Simon the Pharisee. When I hear about one of our mentors who every Saturday will take a hot chocolate to his lad, he'll show up every week, even though he knows that the lad may stand him up and that he may have to just turn around and go home. But he still turns up, even though he has a family of his own, even though he has a big corporate job to manage. It reminds me of when Jesus was on the way to Jairus' daughter to heal her. He's got an important mission, but he takes the time to speak with the hemorrhaging woman when he doesn't have to. When I hear about one of our mentors who's been with his lad for two and a half years, and this lad has um, experienced trauma that is just unspeakable, when I hear of the relationship that they formed and that the mentor is sharing in that pain, it makes me think of Jesus weeping with Mary at the tomb of Lazarus. When I hear about one of our mentors who has developed a trusted friendship with a lad on the very fringes of our society, it makes me think of Jesus eating in the home of Zacchaeus, a man on the very fringes of first century Jewish society. I mean, it's incredible. Isn't that enough, guys? Come on. Come on. Um, but, Suze, I'd like to hear about what you hope for the future. Tell us, tell us about that. Um, so very much what CAP does is that we don't want to just um, zoom in and sort out somebody's debts and finances and then just zoom back out again. Our hope really is that we wouldn't just be giving these people a hope for this life, but a hope for their eternity as well. That's really important um, to us. So definitely my, um, my long-term dream that is, is that all of our clients will be welcomed into um, a church family, whether it's this one or, or another one that's more local to them. And, um, yeah, just as part of that long-term change, there are two really practical things that we are particularly pushing for at the moment. We would love to have every one of our clients to have a befriender. That is someone that is just a, a consistent, friendly person that is keeping in touch with them. Because lots of, I mean, as Joe explained, loneliness and isolation is a big um, issue for many of our clients. So it's just someone that is someone that is good and kind in their lives um, and can also witness to them. And then the other thing that is on this theme of long-term sustainable change is money coaching. So our money coaches deliver budgeting sessions. That's different from the debt counselling service that we provide. It's really about equipping people to know how to live long-term, practically and well. We're getting lots and lots of requests from different parts of um, Reading, from social services, from local schools, um, from Reading Voluntary Action, from parenting hubs to be able to provide one-to-one -one or small sessions and we'd also love to do that for our CAP clients as well. Um, so we're really looking for new daytime um, money coaches, so sorry that's money coaches who have daytime availability during the week. It's fully trained, it's, it's not the debt side of it, it's the budgeting side. So yeah, if um, either befriending or money coaching is something that you're interested in then just come and have a chat with me um, afterwards, love to hear from you. How about you, Rich? What do you want to see in the future? Um, so, at the heart of the fatherless crisis is absent men. And, and so, priority number one for us will always be trying to find, train, assess and support men to be mentors. And so, if any of this resonates with you men, um, please come and speak to us. Uh, the best next step would be to, to come to our next training day in September. There's a QR code um, by the banner out the back. 
it's a great way to, to find out what we do. You don't have to become a mentor afterwards, but there is a great group of men in this church that um, you can join, and it will be a lot of fun. It will be an experience, but it will be a lot of fun. Um, there are a couple of other ways you can get involved. Um, we, we really would like to, to develop some dedicated prayer support for what our mentors are doing because it's, it's tough. Um, and so we really want to get a bit more prayer support around them. So if you're interested in that, it would be great. And then finally, um, we'd also like to find some befrienders as well to come alongside the single mums that we work with. Really try and you know, build friendship, try and um, bring them into to our family. So again, if that, that resonates with you, please join us by the banner. Yeah, and we've started with that. We've got one of the Chapter 2 mums coming along to Craft Cafe. And we just had the most gorgeous text interaction with her this week, which I won't share with you. Um, but yeah, what, what's happening through the church is making a real difference. So I just don't want you to miss out on that. So I'll send out Suze and Rich. And also, if you're here because you're representing Rainbows, Starting Point, Torch, Town Outreach, Alpha, that's it. Please go outside to your tables. And uh, just in this final section... Uh, before you pick up your children, there's still a few minutes, I'm, although I have run over, I would like to invite all of you, if you can, to st- not yet, stand up and go outside under the Agora where there are all these different teams that you can speak to, you can encourage them, you can pray for them, you can ask them questions, tell me more about what you do, and if you're interested, you can register interest. We would love to grow these teams, we would love for you to be involved. What we don't want is for you to sit here and chat. So please arise, go outside and find out more and then in a few minutes time when it's time to pick up your kids, go. But they will still be here in the interim before the next service. So thank you so much for listening.